Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. This is Leadership Talks with Ratiba Mohali. And today I have an amazing guest and I'm excited for this conversation and I've been looking forward to it. Hello, Andy, and welcome to the Leadership Talks with Ratiba. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm also excited to be here. I'm doing very well. Thank you. And how are you? Um, I've been good. I've been good um, as well. The day was a bit um, hectic, but I mean, I guess it's the stress that comes with the job. But yeah, here we are. I was just, you know, in my head, like I'm ready. I need to talk to her today and get on this conversation, <laughs> you know. So that, yeah, that was exciting for me. So yeah, so welcome. And to those who don't know who Andy Samujapele is, and you can hear, you know, the name and the sign name are like, um, so can you please tell us about yourself and what you do? Okay, cool. Um, a little bit about myself is, so Andy so was born in the Eastern Cape, um, in a small town in the Eastern Cape called Ebizana. And I then moved to Durban, KZN Durban, when I was about four or five years old. So Ooh. I spent most of my life there, actually. Wow, where? <laughs> um, I grew up in a small town called Chatsworth in Durban. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I literally, my preschool, primary school and high school were on the same road. So I lived at the end of the road and I went to... Preschool was the first, um, was the first, and then up the road shortly after that was my primary school. Up the road after that was my high school. Wow. So I just walked that street most of my life. Um, and yeah, that was me. Grew up in Chatsworth. And then um, after completed my completing my matric, I went to study at UKZN, Westville campus. Shout out. Shout out. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Westville campus. And then after that, I already knew by then that I wanted to pursue my career in Johannesburg. So I was very mm. intentional about that from high school that I will study um, on the KZN side, but I do want to go to Johannesburg to build my, my career. So um, fortunately I got an opportunity straight after graduating and I moved to, to Johannesburg. And I think it's been about what, six or seven years now. Mm. And that's my, that's my background. I started um, from a career perspective in the investments and stockbroking environment, and then I moved into your more financial planning, holistic financial planning, mm -hmm. very aligned to my passion as well, which is financial literacy. Um, Profession-wise, I am the head of client success at a financial services provider. Mm -hmm. My passion is very closely aligned to that. I call myself a financial literacy advocate, and that's because I really advocate and i'm passionate about people learning how to use their money um and learning how to navigate the financial world um to achieve their goals as well as the life that they would like to live mm. so i also do a lot of content creation speaking engagements and advocating around financial literacy while doing my nine to five which i'm fortunate is very aligned to what i do that is Andy Swa in a nutshell. And to close the introduction, the comment earlier about my name and surname. So I was originally Andy Swa Wow. <laughs> um, from the Eastern Cape. And then I married into the Mujabilo family. Welcome to Limpopo. We have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, excited. Yeah. I didn't know that you went to Westville campus because I was there since 2015. 
So I started Westville in 2015. When did you leave Westville campus? I left in 2015. How interesting. 2015. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> I was there I was, from yeah. 2012 to 2015. So you missed me. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was in 2014, I was in PMB. And then 2015, I came down to Devon to to Westville. So I did my first thing PMB and then I came down to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Wow. Cool. I think I saw that I was like, oh, she went to UKZN. Wow. Oh, nice. You know, so that was, that was, you know, interesting one. UKZN alumni, um, Unite, Unite. Oh, thank you so much. So, yeah, today we're going to be talking about an interesting um, topic, um, leading millennial generation. And I think we are in that generation where they're dominating the workspace, um, both the millennials and the Gen Zs as well are dominating the, the workspace. And, you know, maybe there's a cultural shift that is happening. There's a lot of things that are happening in the corporate. So, yeah, maybe just to, to, to hear from you, what does leadership mean to you? When you hear the word leadership, what comes to your mind? Sure. Um, a lot of things come to my mind, but I think maybe let me start with what I thought leadership was. Mm-hmm. So I... I, from my understanding, had initially thought of leadership living very closely to or even being the same thing as management mm. initially. Um, and that because and that's because I was of the understanding or rather my experience showed me that you get into the corporate space, you wake a, work a couple of years and then you become a senior. And after that, the next thing is you lead a team and then you become a manager and then you become a leader. So for me, leadership lived in the management space, and I believe that for a very long time. Mm. And I think it's important even in explaining what I feel like leadership is to start, but what what I believe leadership is not. Mm. And I don't think it's the same thing as management. And I think often leaders are given the responsibility of a manager, which is understandable because of limited resources, you can't really have, you know, have certain people doing a few things and others a lot. So it's mostly one and the same thing. But mm. management is more about managing processes. Um, okay. It's a very tangible exercise. It's something where you're managing processes, directing people to achieve um, a specific goal. You can measure that. It's very direct. Um, the focus is clear. Whereas leadership for me is more about coaching. It's more about um, being a visionary. It's about prioritizing relationships and people Mm. and rallying them towards a cause. Um, It's more about helping people become better in general. And Mm. a byproduct of that is then them helping you achieve what you want to achieve, which leads to results. Mm. But it's it's more in the softest space, for the lack of a better word. That's what leadership is to me. It's it's being a visionary. It's impact. It's relationships, and it's truly centered around people. Um, mm. Whereas management is more tangible results. Um, you know, specific targets, process, and people to achieve something specific. Yeah, that's what mm. leadership is to me. No, very interesting. Very interesting um, distinction there. So, would you say that? Um, leadership it begins at a relationship and also maybe the, having the genuine love for whoever that you are you are helping out to to make sure that they are putting out your vision um together to be a success would you say it's something that starts from a relationship point of view or what's your take on that 
I think it definitely starts from a relationship point of view. Your leadership is so people-centered. Yeah. Uh, and and it's so people-centered, which is why the relationship element of it comes across so strongly. Mm. There's something that I I once read which I feels like which I feel like resonates so well with what we're talking about now and it said that there are five levels of leadership right i think john maxwell is the one who coined um these terms and he said that in in the first ground level of of leadership is position yeah. and he says that that's when people have to follow you based on the role that you have mm. right that's where it starts and then the last of that five is actually personal um mm. It's personalized in the sense that people now follow you because of who you are and how you treat them and what you've done for them. So you see how it moves from something being very position and um person directed like you have to follow me because I've been appointed. That's the ground level surface stuff, mm. but the real stuff begins when people are now rallying behind you because you've got a good relationship with them, because mm. they believe in your cause. And because they believe in who you are as an individual, and for me, you you can't achieve stuff like that if you don't build relationships with people, and if you don't prioritize the important role that people actually play in your cause. Mm-hmm. Sure. And this, I think, this ties ties um, um, uh, together with with um, what we're talking about today in terms of the millennial generation. Um, maybe to expand um, what you understand about the millennial generation. And, and also, I think you and me are part of that generation and also the new generation. When you talk about people following you because um, of what you've done to them, you know, how you make them feel and what they believe um, around you and, 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 and how you have built the relationship with them. Um, and when you see the workspace right now, it's dominated by... Um, these two generations, the millennials and also the Gen Zs, um, and they have a lot of demands, right? Um, so yes, in some of those demands that they have, um, do you think is um, maybe the, the generation being selfish or they're right in their demands or it's a culture shift in terms of what the corporate is being and what the generation requires, which puzzles um the the institutions to change you know you mentioned that we we are also part of that millennial generation group and i i always ask myself if that makes things better or worse to lead millennials (laughs) (laughs) does the fact that i relate and i understand uh where millennials are coming from because i'm a millennial myself does that give me an added advantage um, in, in, in managing and leading millennials and Gen Zs because mm. I'm sort of closer to them from a generation perspective mm. or is it actually a disadvantage um, mm. because you are then a peer, right? Mm. Um, you and I are, are homeboys and homegirls and we come from the same. So so I don't know. I'm, I'm still pondering on whether that's an advantage or disadvantage. But what I can say is it's definitely different. And I mm. think... These, these these age generations always interest me because I feel I always feel like there should be a second layer within the group. Mm-hmm. I think there's different types of millennials. Interesting. I think yeah. um, the millennials who are a bit older than the younger ones, I think there's a distinct difference. Or rather, I've noticed in my interactions that 
um, the, our millennials and the millennials that are closer to the Gen Zs are definitely different. Um, yes. Quite different, actually. Almost like they should be a second layer, like I said. Mm. But what has been my experience? Sure, I always like to to comment on things using um, practical examples because I feel like it's always easier to to understand and to yeah. comprehend. So when I joined the workforce, um, mm. when I joined the workforce and I started working, I had a corporate personality and a professional personality for work, right? Yes. yes. So. I had my own personality, the type of individual that I was at home. And then I had the type of individual that I was in the corporate environment who determined what that individual was and had to be um, is a story for another day. But I was taught, um, you know, that this is how you behave at work. This is how you present yourself. These are the questions you ask. These are the ones um, you're not taught and also just from external experience. So when I walked into the office, there's a hat that I would wear um, to show up for the office. And then I would, so examples would be, that hat would be less emotional as an example. Mm. Um, And that hat would be less vocal. Again, I'm not saying whether this was right or wrong, but I'm just Mm. talking about my experience that that hat would be less vocal. It would be less emotional. It would be more professional. Someone said in a study group the other day, who defined professional anyway? Who defines what's Ooh. professional or not? <laughs> what does it but I would wear my yes, I would wear my professional hat and I would go into the workplace. And then when I go home, um, I would take off my professional hat and now be at home and be more like myself, more vibrant, uh, more expressive, and all of those things. And what I've found speaking to the differences about this generation is that they don't have different hats. Mm-hmm. Um what you see is what you get and what you experience they don't have a i'm at work now i'm at home now i'm with my friends now i'm with people i know or i'm with people in the professional environment they truly show up as themselves and Mm. i think that has been a big thing um, for me to adjust to because that's not the school of thought that i come from and what i've experienced and it's been an interesting journey to be honest because it has advantages and it has disadvantages. Disadvantages in the sense that I do think, um, you know, there are ways to communicate and um, there's a, there is a certain level of professionalism that ex- that's expected in the environment. Yes. But at the same time, on the flip side, it's also really good to, great, to get um, an individual's core, like who they really are, their mm. authentic, authentic selves, because then they express themselves beyond the call of duty, which means you're getting creative ideas, you're getting flexibility, you're getting your all, you're getting an individual's all, and they're pouring in with their heart and soul into yeah. a cause or a vision, which is great. Um, but at the same time, I think in the more formal environments, then some guidance is needed along those lines. Sure, that's that's very interesting. And, and I like the fact that you say that um, they don't have, I like the distinction that you made, and also saying that they don't have different hats. Um, they come as who they are in inside and, and outside. Um, so would you say, also come from the school of thought that you come from, would you say that um, the, the corporate in itself has its own uh, school of thought that maybe requires people to be less of themselves and be more of rigid to 
what the system is and maybe the generation is giving a a a a, a, a culture shock to the system that is the corporate in how they behave I agree. I think we always um, flight or fight when it comes to change. Mm. Anything that is unfamiliar, um, the reaction is, is never great. I, I think we all like our routines. We all like what we used to. We all like what we are familiar with. And at, at any time when someone tries to challenge or even change that, people get scared. And it's either mm. they play avoiding or they try to be defensive or... Um, or stuff like that so i think it has it has had an impact but I've, I've been challenging myself on this whole professional what we are used to idea and narrative because like i i hinted earlier like i mentioned mm. earlier i attended this 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 leadership course and the individual facilitating it asked a very simple question but the leaders in the room including myself couldn't really answer it mm. um but she said who everybody talks about being professional who defined this word mm. who who sat you down and told you that this is what professional mannerisms mean or this is what professional you know um dress code means or this is unprofessional and this is not and we couldn't really remember who told us or which textbook you know it was just yeah. opinion based it was something that was formed um mm by our own thinking so i grew up like this and then i tell ratiba and he knows and then he tells the next person and it sort of becomes a thing but um and i think in her asking us that question it was just to make us think about the norms that we grew up with that may have made sense then but don't now mm. um and to realize that we do need to challenge ourselves to be honest and now we are forced to especially with other generations so mm. i've had to think about that and it's made me think a bit differently but i think we are scared of change because this is what we used to um this is our way of doing things this is our school of thought and it came from years of whatever but i've been challenging myself and i hope other people do too because it's not mm -hmm. easy but there's there are great advantages um in thinking differently and there are great advantages in being challenged um you know because you don't grow from people just coloring in between the lines and um not coloring out and not thinking out of the box and not challenging things or questioning things you end up just doing exactly the same things getting the same results but i think when you open a space whether it's it's in the way that you carry yourself professionally or it's in the conversations you allow or you remove the hierarchy whatever it is that you do you're not only enabling people to be more comfortable and to feel safer but you also in a way opening up the opportunity to tap into their out of the box and and mm. and that's what i think us as leaders and also organizations need to think about that it's it's a give and take right so i can't expect you as i need you to be rigid to be formal to be boxed to be all of these things and then expect you to be innovative um yeah. and challenging and you know thinking about crazy ideas that are going to take us far it's me being accommodating of you as a person and allowing you to color beyond the lines and allowing you to think that's actually going to create the kind of environment that will give me the innovation that i need i think sometimes we want the box but we want out of the box ideas but people must do this in the box so mm. yeah i think we must also be fair in what we're willing to change and give out for those results 
Yeah, so I, I think you can engage me on this. I'm thinking about this while you're talking that it's it's um, in terms of who define what professionalism is, you know. And I think maybe when we we rope in new people into the company, we 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 miss an opportunity to actually educate and also say no, be yourself, because we say there's something called culture, right? The culture that you create in in the company or in organization that you have. And anyone who comes mm. in, we want them to join in into the culture. If here we wear suits, we wear suits. If here we do this, you know, you do that. But we're not finding out who that person is and can they bring the, themselves. Maybe they will add flavor into how we wear yes. the suits and they add a flower on it, you know, something by by actually coming in and being themselves. Do you think we are missing an opportunity there? in actually engaging and, and 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 letting people come in into that culture that you have created as themselves and they're able to add the flavor into into the culture i think so and i think we we also you know to your question of saying that you're just thinking that when people join the organization maybe we should have such conversations i think we also leave a lot to open interpretation and to assumptions, mm. especially when people um, when people join organizations or when people rally behind a cause. We don't have the conversations. We almost they, there's a lot going around that we think ah they should know, um, mm. you know it's a no brainer. Everybody knows this, but people don't. And I've I've had to learn that, especially with um, individuals dealing with individuals who are straight out of university, for example, and helping them navigate the corporate space and the corporate culture, you we often assume that ah, this is a no-brainer. Everybody knows this. Um, you know, they'll pick up or they'll read in between the lines, but that's not true. Um, you mm. need to number one have more of these conversations. What what is our culture? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Yes, people will experience it if we're doing it right, but we also need to have the conversation. And like you said, also open up the floor to be like, mm. what are your values? Mm. What do you believe in? Mm. And how does it align with the cause that that we are trying to achieve? I think I think employee buy-in um, and people buy-in in any cause actually is mm. so, so powerful. And I think that's why leadership is such a powerful tool because... Yeah. If you are leading right, you have got people who are honestly um, giving their all to your cause. That's a mm. very big responsibility. Mm. That is a very, very big responsibility. And I say this not, not because I'm a leader, but mm. I say this because that's the relationship I have with my leader. Yes. <laughs> you know, I have a relationship with my leader where if he comes and he says, Andy, so I, this is the vision, you know, this is what we're trying to achieve. Um, this is what I need from you. You you best believe that I'm rallying up every resource, um, every effort, every talent I have to try and bring that vision to fruition. So you see the weight that he carries sitting mm. where he is, that if if he brings about a vision, he's got an individual like Andy, so who's ready to back him. Um, mm. and what he's trying to achieve. And I think it's a huge responsibility, um, one that we have to be very careful with. But mm. I think if we understand it, and most importantly, if we respect it, it, it does carry a lot of weight. And I think we can do amazing things, absolutely amazing things with leadership if we just carry it right. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I think I, I often say that um, we mustn't move away from being human. I think that human touch that we have, mm-hmm. um, because um, I said last week when I was having a conversation with someone and say that we are more human outside with our families and our friends. But when we come to work as leaders or, or as leaders in the corporate, we are now living the human touch that we have, the kindness that we have with our families and friends. And we become different people in the corporate. And, and now you must have a straight face. Now you must not show emotions and all that. And people now are more scared of you. But outside, we see you laughing with everyone, you know? But when you are with you in the space and, and, and we are people who are following you, you are a different person, you know? Um, um, how is that? Maybe it, it might touch on, 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 on something you mentioned earlier about the school of thought. And this is a question I want to ask. Do you think um, that generation that had a different type of school of thought um, have struggled to transition to what this generation requires from them and what type of leadership it requires in this time? So I have this thing that I like saying in conversations um, about leadership. And I say the problem is being kind is not on the KPIs. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and, and I honestly say that lightly, but I really believe that being kind should be a KPI. Yeah. Um, and until we, it's 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 easy to say that we need to bring the human into organization. We need to bring the emotion and the empathy into organizations. But so long as it's not on the KPIs and not on anything that, um, in inverted commas, matters then it, it's almost like we singing something, but we, we're doing something else. So being kind should be a KPI. And what I mean by that is it's something that we should be having crucial conversations around that this organization believes in kindness. It believes in, it believes in empathy. It believes in understanding and it believes in leading with integrity. And then we be more vocal about that. Like we are about the key sales results, the turnover, um, how much new business we need to bring and all of those things. And up until we hold conversations like this to the same level as we do targets and key KPIs, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to, to align that too. Bringing it all back to this generation, it's going to be very difficult um, to remove the humanness and expect or, yeah, expect this generation to participate Mm. and to conform um because we ask why we want to know your why (laughs) and we want to connect to your why yes and (laughs) we also some of us don't mind getting a little less but rallying behind a cause which is something that's shocking for the society and this and this um century that we're in that oh my god is money not enough no i'm actually not going to take your job offer because i don't believe in your company's values yes i don't align with with what they're trying to achieve and yeah. to our parents and and and, and people before that it's like oh, what did you just decline a job offer because it's not aligned yes because my my values are important to me now i want to be very um careful in saying that and and, and put a disclaimer and say i understand that being able to do stuff like that is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of the space that we find ourselves in now. So in mm-hmm. the older generations, they most of them didn't have a choice, especially when I speak about our parents. 
You know, they yeah. didn't have a choice and they didn't have a voice. So they they had to do what they had to do to bring us to a position where we now have more of a choice. Mm-hmm. And because we do in this generation, it is going to be important for organizations to start thinking a bit harder about mm-hmm. what they stand for, um, what the values are, um, what the level and extent of those values are, how they identify with that individual. And I really think that it's the it's the organizations with a strong why yes, and yes. a really impactful leadership that are going to be successful mm. going into the future. Because something that's a recurring theme in, in our generation is we we need to connect to something. And that's why you find non-traditional businesses thriving and then people are asking themselves but they don't have the advertising budget they don't have the marketing budget they like how are they the turnover is but that's a startup it makes no it, it's a startup yes it doesn't have the budget but it's it has a strong cause um yes. that is connecting with people beyond what your big organization with the budget can do um and i think people are gonna as as as, as we have more resources it's going to give us more choice and more options. And as that happens, I think organizations that want to retain good quality talent are going to have to compete beyond remuneration. Mm. Um, They're going to have to really invest in a strong why and connect that way. Otherwise it's going to be very difficult to grow. Yeah. No, I think, I think this composition, um, it's very interesting and I want us to continue. Um, So we're going to do a part two recording. So I'm seeing that. No worries. Yes, I'm seeing that um, we've got five minutes left, so I'm just going to cut it, and then we restart again, and then we carry on the conversation, so we'll have two episodes that will, will air out on, on our podcast, so the part one and then the part two as well. So, stop, no problem. Yeah, so I'm going to stop the recording and then end it, and then we can connect to the same link again and continue. Okay, cool. Cool. Empowerment Podcast. Inspire. Equip and empower.